Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas. Arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Do you treat your dog as part of the family? <laughs> well, so do we. So why not celebrate your pup's birthday with the ultimate party box? Check us out on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Party Pup Info, and let us make your pup's party or any celebration perfection. M&J Video Games and Collectibles. Sport and non-sport cards, wrestling items, autographed items. We buy, sell, and trade. M&J Video Games and Collectibles, located at 1049 Queen Street, Southington, Connecticut, Call us at 1-860-479-9223 or 860-93-GAMES. M&J, video games and collectibles. Folks, it's your buddy Mike Messier, and I'm here for the Monty and the Pharaoh YouTube channel, AEW Apologist number 22. Uh, 22 of these now, and uh, thanks for those that are watching on the Monty and the Pharaoh YouTube channel. You are also welcome to come over uh, and subscribe and visit. Uh, subscribe to Mike Messier YouTube channel, where I have uh, more pro wrestling rants, uh, wrestling interviews with the likes of Bob Backlund and so forth. But let's start talking about uh, the big wrestling news of the week. I will be covering uh, my thoughts on AEW as well as uh, WWE and some other stuff, independent stuff. Maybe I'll just say that right now. Independent wrestling, I just uh, checked uh, Facebook. And it seems like in Florida, at least, there's a bunch of uh, pro wrestling shows coming to Florida. Uh, Nick Gage uh, is on one of these shows. Uh, then you've got... Um, uh, EC3 and uh, Adam Shore, the former Braun Strowman, uh, they're doing the, um, what's it called, the Control Your Narrative uh, 
program, which they say it's going to be a unique thing. It's it's going to be based in wrestling, but something different than wrestling. So that'll be interesting. Uh, but it's nice to see that after a couple of years of things being really slow or sparse, uh, more people are, you know, uh, doing the things that they need to do to be out in public. And uh, things are kind of coming back to life a little bit because independent wrestling is a lot of fun. I know a lot of wrestling fans have never even gone to a live pro wrestling show, which I, I don't. I've known pro wrestling fans that are fans of wrestling for years, but they never go to the arena to see a live wrestling show. I'd encourage you uh, to go to a live wrestling show if uh, physically you're up for it. You take the precautions or whatever. Uh, but go to a live show, support the wrestlers, and you'll have a different um, enjoyment for wrestling, in my opinion. Uh, a better enjoyment. Um, in the Crockett Cup, I want to mention the NWA Crockett Cup. Uh, they had that a couple of years ago, I think, in 2019. And, of course, um, did, I don't know if they had it in 2020. I don't think they did. But basically, that's been on hold um, because of the worldwide situations. And it's nice to see that the Crockett Cup's coming back. And I guess they're going to have this Matt Cardona against um, uh, Nick Aldis for the NWA world title. That should be very interesting. So it's good to see things are coming back. Uh, now, as far as AEW goes... Um, what was the big news this week? Well, as of this minute, uh, we're still kind of reeling from the Cody Rhodes thing. And I guess I, I didn't cover that last week, uh, but it's definitely something we should talk about. So let's talk about it. Now, by now you've heard all about it. You've heard the analysis. So I can just give you my insights. And it's almost like just to say to the wrestling fans, yes, this is a big story. It's a bigger story that I, than I thought it would be, to be quite honest, which I think is good for Cody. The fact that so many people have a take or an opinion or so many people want to know why he's leaving or if there was backstage politics, why would one of the you know first signees, one of the first EVPs, executive vice producers or vice presidents of the company, why would he feel the need to leave? Um, and uh, the, there's probably a, more than one answer. One answer would probably be money. I'm hard, it's hard for me to think that um, scheduling, like I don't, if he does go to WWE, so <clears throat> we have to kind of jump to that assumption right now. Many people are saying it's already a done deal that Cody is going to WWE. If he were, I don't think it could be a scheduling thing. I think the AEW schedule is very light compared to what Cody's used to in WWE from, you know, six or seven years ago, <clears throat> WWE always has a heavier schedule. Now, in our 2022 world, that may not be the case so much. Uh, but maybe Cody wants to wrestle as much as possible. I think the guy's 36 years old. He does have a wife and a child now. They're, the other question is, will Brandy be going with him? <clears throat> and some are saying that Brandy's not going to be on WWE television. We'll just have to wait and see. But... Unless this is a giant work, and I did see Monty um, and the Pharaoh, I think especially the Pharaoh was was making a great point, which is um, if this were a total work and Cody is just coming back to AEW in a couple of weeks or a couple of months, um, and I think one person even suggested he could do a Midnight Rider gimmick, which is hilarious, uh, a reference to his father, but... I think that it would be a really bad move if this was all an elaborate work. If this was an elaborate work between Tony and Cody and everybody, I think it would be uh, kind of distasteful um, in a way. I mean, it sounds strong to say that. Maybe it would be a great work, but I just 
you would you or me or anyone would have a hard time believing when they said something like this would happen again if they were to say that Kenny Omega was leaving or the Young Bucks were leaving. Uh, you would have to second guess that. So I hope that it's not a work at this point because it would be a bad, I believe, a bad business and creative decision if it were a work, but we'll find out. Um, I think what's quite possible is Cody goes over to WWE for a couple of years, and when that uh, burns out, he comes back to AEW. I mean, that's what wrestlers do. And now I'm going to kind of give you a couple of examples, folks, and, and most of you who are watching this are probably educated wrestling fans, but some of you might be younger wrestling fans who are educated or want more education on the history of pro wrestling and some of the nuances. So let's just go into a couple of uh, examples of, of things that have happened uh, that allowed other people to kind of jump through. Now I'm even going to add to my own list because I was only going to mention Hulk Hogan in 93 and Ric Flair in uh, 91. I think I'm going to go back a little bit before that. Let's talk about Tully Blanchard and Arn Anderson leaving the NWA back in 1988, okay? I believe it was uh, September or maybe mid-October that uh, Tully and Arn lost the uh, NWA World Tag Team titles to the Midnight Express, beautiful Bobby and Sweet Stan, and basically they were gone. They were out of there. They they had money issues uh, with Crockett. Um, the company was being uh, sold to Ted Turner. Uh, apparently, Tully Blanchard said some things that upset uh, somebody, whether it was the Crockett people or the Turner people, and basically they were gone. So um, that really did hurt uh, the NWA, uh, WCW at the time. And uh, But what happened? Well, they basically did a couple of things. They switched the Road Warriors to heels. Uh, that didn't particularly work for the long term, but it was a short term fixed short-term fix, which gave us some interesting matches. It gave us uh, Road, Warrior Road Warrior Animal taking a spike to Dusty Rhodes's eye, uh, which, of course, got Dusty exited from the NWA. Uh, then you had the, the original Midnight Express. Uh, Dennis Condry and Randy Rose with Paul Heyman comes into the NWA to kind of fill that gap of Tully and Arn leaving uh, so that the Starcade match that year was Midnight Express versus Midnight Express, which was a pretty good match. If Tully and Arn had stuck around, it probably would have been Tully and Arn versus Bobby and Stan for the tag team titles. And you never would have seen Paul Heyman come into the NWA in late 1988, where he basically set up camp uh, for five or six years. Uh, so and a very influential with the Dangerous Alliance and everything else that Paul Heyman did as Paulie Dangerously. So the point that I'm getting at, even with these early examples, is, uh, you know, crisis always leads itself uh, to opportunity. It might be one person's crisis or a momentary crisis, but someone else can take that opportunity. Uh, 1999, 1989, I should say, was a very good year creatively for the NWA, the National Wrestling Alliance. Uh, as the Jim, you know, the former Jim Crockett now being called NWA and retroactively would be called WCW at this point. But you had the Ric Flair, Ricky Steamboat feud. Uh, you had Terry Funk coming in at Wrestle War. All that was available because of the void of Dusty Rhodes and the Four Horsemen were no longer in your main event scene. Uh, Tully and Arn were gone. The Four Horsemen were kind of disbanded after Barry Windham left. And suddenly Flair's on his own. He's got to turn babyface. They need some heels. They bring in Terry Funk and Gary Hart and Buzz Sawyer, who had one good run left in him. 
and uh, the great Muda was there and so forth. So my, my point is uh, there's always something you can do. I mean, there's plenty of good wrestlers and for the whole time I've been a pro wrestling fan, you've never been short of talent. You know, never, you've never been short of wrestlers right now. There's more wrestlers that people know about and people want to see than we have time to watch or, or spots on the roster. I mean, AEW itself is getting uh, inundated, which is one of my points here. Um, you know, just the, the dynamite that happened after Cody left, we saw guys step up. I mean, the CM Punk uh, calling out um, MGF for this dog collar match. CM Punk is kind of filling the Cody Rhodes spot in a way as far as those emotional matches. You know, not having matches for championships, but having matches with a story, with a personal motivation. That's what Cody was doing in AEW for the most part with his uh, you know, match against Chris Jericho, his match against MJF, even his Aleister Black stuff. All that stuff that Cody did and did pretty well, uh, whether you liked him or not. And sometimes he had misfires, like the, the, the American Dream promo from last summer wasn't as well received as it could have been. Uh, but Cody did the emotional stuff more so than you know, the title changes or the, the title pursuits or the high flying. And I think that CM Punk is taking over that spot and maybe he's already taken it over, you know, just because the fans are really into CM Punk. So there you have it. Um, my other examples, I was going to say, when the, uh, you know, what was still called the NWA in early 1990, I think they left around May, I believe their last pay-per-view was Capital Combat 90. I think the Road Warriors were in a six-man tag, but people were, people loved the Road Warriors so much over there, but they never really wanted to lose. Well, they started to lose a couple of matches on their way out to teams like the Samoan SWAT team and Doom. But in 1990, uh, you had some great tag teams like Doom, Samoan SWAT team, the Steiners, most importantly. Uh, and all these tagged, Barry Windham and Arn Anderson were a great team that wrestled Doom at Starcade 1990. And this is all because the Road Warriors weren't there. You know, the Road Warriors were over in the WWF now, uh, teaming up with Ultimate Warrior, wrestling Demolition in six-man tags and so forth. Uh, kind of an interesting uh, Survivor Series match 1990. The Road Warriors teaming up with Kerry Von Erich, the modern-day warrior, and Ultimate Warrior against Demolition and Kurt Henning. <laughs> It's actually Steve Lombardi is taking the place of Bill Eadie in that match, in case you didn't know that one. So my point is, there was always going to be an ask to fill your seat. You know, I had a friend of mine, I used to do dinner theater in Rhode Island, Providence, this nice lady I worked with. Uh, she was an actress in the company, and she was uh, probably our best actress, to be honest with you, uh, best actor or actress. Um, she was where she was great. And, uh, you know, she decided to take some time off. She had a, a family member who was sick. She needed to take care of them. And uh, she kind of retired from, from dinner theater acting. And I said, hey, it's going to, Marcia, it's going to be tough without you here. You were really the crowd favorite. We're going to miss you. And she said, well, it's like my dad used to say, another ass will fill your seat. Another ass will fill your seat. You know what I mean? So as far as Cody goes, uh, there he is, you know, another ass is going to fill Cody's seat, you know, and so I think that that seat has already been filled, like I said, by CM Punk. Uh, what else? More examples. I, don't want, I mean, I guess I'll just beat this fucking ground, this horse into the ground here. But uh, when Ric Flair left the NWA, it was a tough blow back in 1991. We want Flair at the Great American Bash 91. I wonder if your young Cody was in the audience for that. Who knows? 
But uh, Flair leaving left Lex Luger to kind of evolve into the number one heel in the company. It gave Harley Race a job as the manager of Lex Luger. And Harley would have a nice second career as a manager for Luger and then later uh, Big Van Vader as world champions for WCW. And uh, gave Big Cat Hughes some work. It uh, helped turn Barry Windham babyface. It helped get Ron Simmons over as a top contender, you know, wrestling Luger at Halloween Havoc 91, which was a lot better uh, match, a two out of three falls match. If you've you've never watched that one, Ron Simmons versus Lex Luger, Halloween Havoc, a great match. The reason why that match was even taking place was because Ric Flair was now gone, okay? So you couldn't have your Ric Flair Halloween Havoc match because he's not there. Uh, but yeah, and there was there were some missteps in that era too. Starcade '91, obviously, kind of a cluster um, with the Battle Bowl stuff. But I mean, I think if you look at when Flair was gone for about 16 months, you know, from about uh, July, early July of '91 until February of '93, so 15 or 16 months he was gone. However, many months you saw the rise of uh, Sting. Uh, to new heights, and you saw the rise of Big Van Vader and Ron Simmons. Uh, so all three of those guys took the opportunity when Flair was gone, and also I should say Barry Windham and Rick Rude, and uh, on kind of the lower card, Steve. You mind? I'm doing a podcast here. I'm doing the the month in the fair. So the point is, you had all these guys: Rick Rude, Steve Austin, the Dangerous Alliance. You know, the Horsemen were gone in 91, uh, 92, NWA, WCW. So the, the Dangerous Alliance came in. Once again, the point you might be wondering, is this just a history lesson? No, this is just to tell you that Cody Rhodes being absent is going to leave a lot of TV time for these people. And I think we saw that on Dynamite last week. We saw that some of these wrestlers were taking advantage of that uh, time and that spotlight that Cody and Brandy took up a lot of time and a lot of energy. And now they don't have to worry about Cody and Brandy doing their thing. And there's more airtime for the others. And they, they don't even need to go out and get more names because they've just gotten Keith Lee. They just got this uh, Jay White switchblade guy. Uh, they've got Adam uh, uh, Cole and Adam Page having a title match pretty soon on pay-per-view. I'll get to that in a minute. The point is, there's not an absence of uh, talent or storylines for AEW right now. So, yes, Cody will be missed, but in my opinion, he'll be welcome back when the time's right to bring him back and uh, let him do his thing. It's no big deal. I mean, there was another point that I made this week that back when Nakamura was getting kind of languishing in WWE a couple of years ago, uh, some wrestler, I don't know who it was, it was Kenny Omega maybe or somebody said that, you know, Nakamura basically – has done his art in Japan, and now he's coming over to WWE to get his paychecks. And that's kind of the attitude of some of these wrestlers, and apparently that's just the way it is in reality. Like, you do all your great stuff in Japan or AEW or the indies, and when you want to cash in, when you want to get that steady paycheck, you come over to the E, and you put your WWE uh, E leash around your neck and you become domesticated so that's what happens so i mean i guess that's what cody's hungry for the leash again uh let him get trained let him get back into the house and when he's ready to roam wild he'll roam wild i mean it's a it's kind of the inverse of what happened with brian danielson 
uh, several months ago, he said when he went over to AW, he wanted to tap into his wild side. He was tired of being a castrated little boy with uh, Brie Bella telling him to eat cottage cheese and putting up a barbed wire fence around their house, okay? Uh, so when, when men want to be men, they go to AEW. Uh, let's see. Have I made the point clear? I mean, I guess one more. Hogan, when Hogan fucking left uh, WWF in 93, I mean, he was pretty much gone from there for most of 92. That allowed for guys like Ric Flair and Randy Savage and eventually Bret Hart to have the end uh, to have the WWF World Championship, you know, back when they had only one World Championship, which made more sense. So you had a guy like Bret Hart. If Hogan had still been around, imagine if Hogan had stayed in WWF throughout the '90s. Would guys like Hulk Hogan and Shawn Michaels ever get to kind of change the game of the WWF and change the style, the main event style? Probably not. So um, whenever some wrestler leaves, it's typically good for the other wrestlers who are left behind if they make the opportunity, if they take that opportunity to seize the day, so to speak. Okay, Robin Williams? So now what else, folks? Um, so I just printed up uh, the – it's actually – there was more matches earlier, but I found the card, so to speak, online. I printed it up for this big uh, March 6th thing. Um, Revolution pay-per-view. I think I'm going to go to a movie theater and watch it on the big screen. That's another way, folks, if you don't know, AMC theaters, at least, and some Cinemark theaters. I think I'm going to Cinemark this time. They play these wrestling pay-per-views. It's a lot of fun. They even did that last year with SummerSlam, Cena vs. Reigns. So we've got Keith Lee vs. Wardlow vs. Powerhouse Hobbs uh, vs. three other guys to be announced or to be named. Uh, the winner of that ladder match will get a, a future world title match, I guess. So this would be interesting. You've got a few things going on. I mean, one thing that pops out is with just these three guys, um, if MJF somehow screws up Wardlow or maybe Sean Spears does and, and screws, if Sean Spears accidentally hits Wardlow with a chair, allowing, say, Keith Lee to win, that could be a good way to protect Wardlow push Wardlow against Sean Spears and get the uh, win for somebody else like a Keith Lee. I think the thing that if they do have Keith Lee win this match, though, the tough thing is do you automatically put a title on him? And no offense to Keith Lee, but I think that maybe he could lose 15 or 20 pounds uh, before going any further to the world title scene. I know, hey, body consciousness and all that good stuff, but just for his own health and his own safety, I think losing 15 or 20 for a guy that athletic is not going to be a problem. He just has to have the discipline. Okay. Uh, CM Punk and, and MJF in this aforementioned uh, dog collar match. Typically, I would think that this is going to be a tough one for them to pull off. Um, just because dog collar matches are tough to pull off. Uh, speaking of which, Cody and the late Brody Lee had a pretty good one a couple of years ago. Unfortunately, it was Brody Lee's last match. Uh so as for, I, I like the CM Punk promo, Will You Be My Valentine? And he lifts up the dog collar. That was great stuff. He's basically saying, I'm Piper and you're going to be my Valentine. I'm going to beat the crap out of you like, like Roddy did to Valentine at Starcade 83. Great historical wrestling reference from CM Punk in that promo. MJF, MJF I think, played it off very well as just not saying anything. Of allowing some vulnerabilities, some fear. I just saw this little um, video of, of MJF yelling at a, a little girl or exchanging barbs with a little girl. Not yelling at her, but just exchanging insults at an autograph signing. It was pretty good stuff. 
Uh, Jurassic Express, Jungle Boy, and Luchasaurus uh, taking on two teams to be announced. Uh, were those two teams already announced? Was it... Uh, God, I'm losing my mind here. Uh, but they're having like the couple of t tournament matches to determine uh, the winners of that. A couple of battle royal type of things. Uh, so I don't think that's been fully determined. Some people, I think, are claiming that the Young Bucks and FTR will be in that. That would be very interesting. I would like to see the tag titles kind of go back to the Young, uh, to the FTR, to be honest with you. Not the Young Bucks, but to FTR. Uh, FTR is really a great team in my book with Tully Blanchard. I think that's a great combo. Uh, Dr. Britt Baker in a long-awaited rematch defending her women's world title against Thunder Rosa. Uh, Adam Page uh, defending against Adam Cole. Uh, the Adam Cole thing, his entrance has kind of grown on me. He, I mean, I, I kind of agree with some people that his look is not the best right now. He just looks like a chubby, not you know, skinny fat guy, like a millennial skinny fat guy. I'm not, I guess I'll probably enjoy that match, uh, Page versus Cole, but it's not the favorite match of mine. You know what I mean? Uh, and then you, I think there's been some rumors. I'm not sure if this has been officially announced, but the Switchblade Jay White versus Orange Cassidy um, for the pay-per-view revolution, that would be a good, you know, first or second match. I would think that they would put Jay White over if they're going to be investing time into this guy and money into this guy. And Orange Cassidy is, is a good baby face because even when he loses, he can always just come back. He's the perpetual underdog. Nothing wrong with that. Blah, uh, blah, 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 blah. What else can we talk about here, folks? I guess I'll switch gears a little bit um, uh, to this uh, WWE stuff. Um, we were kind of wondering, we as a collective wrestling fan base, would Cody make an appearance at um, the exhibition chamber, the elimination chamber, chamber over in Saudi? Some people call it the Saudi chamber, pretty violent uh, title. But in any event, the answer apparently was no. Uh, Cody did not make an appearance. There was <laughs> a photograph supposedly of Cody in a, in a, port, a, a Polish airport with a fan of some such thing, thinking he might be flying to Saudi Arabia or whatever. But Cody was not there, which is fine. WWE kind of did their typical thing. They had Roman Reigns beat Goldberg in six minutes with a chokeout. Uh, some are pointing out that Goldberg had reached the ropes. The referee ignored the break and let Roman win with a chokeout, stopping the match. But it was it was decent for what it was. I mean, look, when you're watching Goldberg wrestle these days, he's, what is he, 53 years old, it's really just about the entrance and how does he look and is he is he not breaking somebody's neck or not having his own neck broken i mean that's all you can hope for in a goldberg match a couple of spears and you're done uh what else happened on that show what, what i thought was most interesting about the elimination chamber show this past weekend was how short it was i mean it was done by three o'clock and i'm looking around and i'm thinking well aren't we having five more matches and i uh, was having some type of trouble with the tv so i missed um the, the attempt or the, the tease of uh, the Viking Raiders versus uh, the Usos. So I guess that match didn't happen. And Bobby Lashley didn't have to take a fall. Apparently he's got an injured shoulder. If you go back to that Royal Rumble match, it's not a surprise. All those uh, fucking suplexes he took looks like he landed on his shoulder over and over again during his match with Brock. And yeah, so, so uh, Bobby's out. Apparently he's going to have to have a, some type of shoulder surgery. 
he might be out. Uh, he might miss WrestleMania, which is too bad. But in a way, I think they did a really nice job uh, giving them credit where it's due. I think WWE did a great job under these circumstances of protecting Bobby. Uh, nobody was really talking about this shoulder injury until after the Elimination Chamber. Nobody kind of remembered or recognized that, that Bobby wasn't defending the title on Raw or even wrestling in tag team matches. So by the time we got to Elimination Chamber, we thought Bobby would be an active participant, and they pulled some wrestling on us. You know, that's what they did. You know, a friend of mine, my buddy Moro up in uh, Boston, was saying, well, it doesn't make any sense that all these guys are taking suplex and body slams and pile drivers and F5s and everything else during the actual Elimination Chamber. How come, you know, Bobby gets knocked out because somebody goes thrown into his little plexiglass thing? So why does that knock out Bobby and give him a concussion? Well, it's wrestling. I mean, you know, that's that's the answer. It's because it's wrestling and because we tolerate things that don't make any sense. Uh, like the Irish whip. I mean, a guy gets whipped into the ropes and he's got to automatically bounce off. I mean, Jerry Seinfeld used to do a, a comedy bit, a comedy uh, thing about that, about bouncing off the ropes, believe it or not. I saw Seinfeld do that on an old David Letterman show. Seinfeld would make fun of the wrestlers bouncing off the ropes. And that was even before AEW, folks, okay? Uh, so what else we going on? The Saudi show, the women, I mean, their outfits are now, I mean, it's just one of these things where if you really get down, if you go back to the origins of maybe my issue, other people's issues with these Saudi shows, how far is WWE willing to go to cater to Sharia law, Sharia law, however you pronounce it, but now they're covering their women in these. I mean, I guess at least these cat suits are, are more form-fitting or more attractive. They're kind of cool-looking as opposed to the oversized goofy T-shirts. Um, uh, what's his name? My Ting, another wrestling guy, was saying something like the dollar store T-shirts, which I think is true. I mean, the T-shirts always looked horrible when you had like Natalia, you know, Neidhart and Lacey Evans wearing these oversized T-shirts. Now they have these bodysuits. I mean, to be honest with you, some of these bodysuits are sexier than what they normally wear. You know what I mean? Um, but they're wearing, I mean, Sonya Deville. Jeez. Uh, but these women, I guess, what? how many women's matches were on this show? Uh, I mean, you had Lita versus Becky. You had the Ronda Rousey tag match. And you had the women's elimination chamber. So that's three women's matches at least. Um, how do I feel about these women? I mean, you know, look. I, I it's a tough business. It's tough for anyone to make a money to make money in pro wrestling. So I give these women credit and all the wrestlers credit for doing their thing. Uh, my stand on these Saudi shows is kind of mixed now because I, I do think the WWE is basically just doing it for the money, um, for all the money they get from these shows. But it, it, and you know the tolerance of the Sharia law and so forth or. But if this stuff, if these women wrestlers in particular are inspiring some of these young women in the audience uh, to kind of get some seeds in their head or, or even to have a few moments of hope or something, maybe it's all worth it. You know, who am I to, to, to shake my fist in my American uh, know-it-all fist at somebody else? Um, I do know that the UFC did not do shows in Saudi Arabia for, for the concerns or the upset with the... The Saudis destroying the, the poor reporter, chopping him up into bits, killing him a couple of years ago. So, I mean, that still happened, folks. I mean, that's reality, you know. So I, I do have very mixed feelings about these Saudi shows. 
But this Elimination Chamber thing, it was a tight show. It was quick. From what I remember, there wasn't a whole lot of propaganda for Saudi Arabia that the WWE put on the, the air, at least not that I saw or I can remember. So it was good. If you compare this show to the original um, uh, Greatest Royal Rumble they did, where Michael Cole and everybody else are giving, telling you how great Saudi Arabia is as a tourist city or tourist state or whatever, tourist country or what I don't know. But, you know, it is what it is. What else? Uh, looking towards WrestleMania, unification thing of these two guys, Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar. Will this feud ever end? Will we, will we ever get out of this storyline with these two guys? Maybe we will at WrestleMania. But I could definitely see a deal where Roman wins, and then they just bring back uh, Brock for SummerSlam, just like they always bring back Goldberg for something. You know what I mean? So. I don't know. I mean, I think uh, some people are asking, should should Seth Rollins be inserted into the match as kind of a flashback to their 2014 thing where Seth interfered in the Brock um, match? Uh, funny that Sting was on that show beating Triple H, uh, or losing to Triple H, I should say. But um, I don't know. I really don't know what to say. I think they should just stick with the Goldberg, uh, with the Lesnar versus Reigns as it is. I, I don't know. The rumors of that Steve Austin's coming back, that's been a big rumor this week that he's going to wrestle Kevin Owens at uh, WrestleMania in Dallas and Texas. Uh, interesting. I mean, that's very interesting. I think it'll be, um, you know, others have said that if anyone can make Austin look good, it'll be Owens. He'll probably get stunnered. He'll flop around like a fish for Austin. And I'm assuming Austin will win somehow. Um, and what else? I mean, a big wrestling week, folks, but I guess overall, you know, as far as uh, more stuff with AEW, you saw Jay White have his in-ring debut. I think it's just getting, but it was on a rampage. It wasn't on a dynamite. It wasn't on a pay-per-view. I mean, no offense, but the order pretty much goes in AEW world. I would say, you know, pay-per-view is number one. Um, Dynamite's two. Rampage is three. Dark is four, and what's there like dark elevation? Is that five? You know, so as far as the pecking order, so Jay White was kind of midland, like he was on the third of that tier, you know, like he wasn't saved for a pay per view. They didn't think he was a needle mover as far as his in ring debut, they didn't hold it off until March 6th. Um, and they put him on Rampage, which you know, you could make a case that well, we wanted his fans to check out Rampage, okay, uh, you know. Uh, so what else? But that's, I don't know, folks. It's just been an exciting couple of weeks for wrestling. Like I say, I've been saying this for a few weeks. There's really never been a better time to be a pro wrestling fan in some ways. Uh, but I'm excited that some of these independent promotions are coming back. Um, in Florida and other states, uh, Nick Gage wrestling in Florida and so forth. My buddy Eric is a big Nick Gage fan. He likes all the GCW stuff. I still got to watch more of that GCW. It does seem very cutting edge, so to speak. Um, but, you know, so on and so forth. So, uh, Cody, we'll miss you, buddy. You know, have fun in cartoon land. And, um, you know, when you get sick of wearing the Stardust outfit and you take off your Bushwhacker pants and your Stardust polka dots or whatever, you'll be welcome back and, you know, AEW can repair you. Uh, like they're repairing Keith Lee, where they might have to repair a killer cross in the future and so forth. Uh, did I miss anything? Did I forget anything? 
show, you know, wrestling. I mean, we'll see this the Serena Deeb five minute rookie challenge. I've been liking that. I'm a big Serena Deeb fan. Uh, you know, once again, once again. Uh, but I'd like to see Penta get more stuff going. I, I'm a fan of his, and uh, so on and so forth. Uh, what's his name? Tony Khan is is predicting another or claiming he's got another big. Uh, debut coming up or another shocking fucking announcement so we'll see uh but all in all folks that's it so we'll see you next week the aw apologist number 22 i uh, put some hours in for this one if you want to come back uh to subscribe to mike messi youtube channel please make sure you subscribe if you're watching this video what's that somebody something's happening here if you're watching this video from my playlist, uh, make sure you go over to uh, to uh, Monty and the Pharaoh YouTube channel and subscribe to them as well. So uh, that's it, folks. Uh, see you at the matches. Mike Messier.